Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Every morning now, as I stand at the bathroom sink brushing my teeth, I catch my reflection in the medicine cabinet mirror and say out loud, good morning, Nana. It shouldn't surprise me to grow up into my grandmother, though I might have had a younger version in mind. Notwithstanding, I loved her, and it does me good to see her again. The sturdy and devoted daughter of an industrious Yankee farmer, she molded herself to him, and I at best to her. What a blessing to know that those who have gone before us live on through us. One Sabbath day, the doctor had to be summoned as she had accidentally taken a seat on her crocheting, impaling herself. She paid absolutely no attention to the lesson this was supposed to impart. Unfailingly, for her entire life, she sat in church every Sunday morning, her hands busy with the word work spread out in her lap, pausing only to take up the hymnal, stand and sing in a high, thin, warbly soprano. Idle hands, she said, were the devil's playground. It was she who taught me to give thanks by giving, to remember those less fortunate by making myself useful. I can hear her saying it, though I can't seem to get the tone right. Kimmy, make yourself useful. It was not a stern command. It was a blessing, the blessing imparted to one who has the wherewithal and the resources to be of use. A Bible verse was scribbled on little scraps of paper left for me to find. Luke 12:48, of the one to whom much is given, much is expected. I remember being quite small, standing beside her in my great aunt Kay's kitchen, where the humidity rivaled the heat, drying ball jars and lids with a dish rag as she and her sister canned fruit from the orchard. I remember pasting her S&H green stamps into the little booklet that came from the grocery store. I remember as her legs began to tire running upstairs and down for her. I remember reading the fine print for her, opening her prescription medicine bottles, driving her to visit a friend. Kimmy, make yourself useful. I hope you too cherish memories like these, having been invited to be of use and so coming to know your usefulness. This is a powerful poem written by 29-year-old Audra, who was raised by her single mother, Margaret, in tough neighborhoods in Chicago and Los Angeles. Margaret's signature tagline to her daughter was, I refuse to let the streets have you. This poem is called Mother Margaret. Words could never describe what that woman has done for me. How she begged, cried, and almost died, 
all just to make sure that in my youth I'd hold a book and not a baby, that I'd embrace a pen and not a gun, that I'd appreciate the life God gave me and the way God saved me. And she did this alone by herself. This lady's tears kept me clean. Her eyes saw through me. Her arms embraced me. Her hands kept me straight. Her heart gave me faith. And her life gave me life. All so that one day, I'd make others see her love through me. Project manager Dustin Wax writes, all of us want to be useful, to feel needed, competent. To make ourselves useful, Dustin Wax recommends that we show up, jump in, solve the problem before us, not the one that led to the one that led to the one that led to this one before us. We should share what we know and give willingly, even if we're supposed to, to be useful, to be curious, listen and affirm, teach, don't tell, know when to stop, and don't take over. He concludes that what makes us useful is our attitude and making people we help feel better about themselves. Brainline.org hosts a blog written by people uh, living with traumatic brain injury and in a beautiful piece on usefulness in her new normal. Kara Swanson reminds us that everyone can be of use. Many brain injury survivors write to me believing they are no longer useful, she says. It seems we lose what we were able to do and suddenly we measure ourselves as having lost our worth, our usefulness. But looking at what we can no longer do, we've been looking at things all wrong. Kara Swenson shares her spiritual practice of looking in on the lives of those who are as crazy busy as she was before her accident and making up ways to make their lives easier. One of them works long days, so I do his laundry, she writes. For another who works long days, I go pet and feed her cat. I'll pick up and drop off lunch for someone too busy to leave work or take packages to the post office for someone who can't make it there before they close. I try to help busy people with research on new meds they're taking. For a friend who has sore hands, hands sore from arthritis, I open jars. None of this has anything to do with the catering career I lost to my injury, she continues, but while doing any of them, I know I'm not worthless or unimportant or no longer valid. When someone needs me, they sure don't care that I can no longer work a 20-hour day choreographing their wedding. And the best part is, neither do I. I'm helping, I'm vital, and it feels fabulous. For those of us blessed with sound minds, the ante is upped. How can we be of use? Out for a run in the woods behind the old North Bridge in Concord, I saw that a huge tree had fallen across the trail and it forced me from the path into a swamp. A few weeks later, as I approached the same spot, I heard the angry whining of a chainsaw. An older gentleman was clearing the wreckage. These are public lands, lands held in the public trust, our 
commonwealth. I was moved and grateful that the anonymous forester had taken it upon himself to be of use. Poet Marge Piercy begins her poem, To Be of Use. The people I love best jump into work headfirst without dallying in the shallows and swim off with sure strokes almost out of sight. They seem to become natives of that element, the black, sleek heads of seals bouncing like half-submerged balls. I love people who harness themselves an ox to a heavy cart, who pull like water buffalo with massive patience, who strain in the mud and muck to move things forward, who do what has to be done again and again. I want to be with people who submerge in the task, who go into the fields to harvest and work in a row and pass the bags along, who stand in the line and hand in their places, who are not parlor generals and field deserters, but move in a common rhythm when the food must come in or the fire be put out. Marianne Wright Edelman is an activist for the rights of children and founder of the Children's Defense Fund. Several years ago, she spoke at All Souls, one of our churches in Manhattan, and told the story of a teacher named Jean Thompson and her fifth grade student, Teddy Stoller. I've told this story before, thanks to my colleague Galen Gingrich for this retelling. Teddy Stoller was a mess. He was dirty and he smelled bad. He had no friends and seemed totally checked out of school. Jean Thompson couldn't find much redeeming about him. Despairing, she pulled his file. First grade, Teddy is a good boy. He shows promise in his work and attitude, but he has a poor home situation. Second grade, Teddy is falling behind in his work. He's too serious. His mother is very sick. Third grade, Teddy's mother died this year. His father shows no interest. Teddy needs help. Fourth grade, Teddy is totally withdrawn and in need of psychological help. At Christmas time, all the children brought their teacher nicely wrapped gifts, except for Teddy, who handed Jean a paper bag with an elastic around it. Jean opened each present, and when she got to Teddy's, the students began to snicker. Jean fished out an old rhinestone bracelet with some of the pieces missing, immediately slipping it onto her wrist. She held up her arm, saying, isn't this pretty? Taking her cue, the children quieted down. She then took an almost empty perfume bottle from the bag, dabbed on a little bit, and exclaimed, doesn't it smell nice? At the end of the day, Teddy lingered by her desk after the last child had left the classroom. Miss Thompson, he said, that was my mother's bracelet. It looks really pretty on you, too. And you smell just like her now. With that, he left. And Jean Thompson put her head in her hands and asked God to forgive her. She vowed to help the children who were falling behind, especially Teddy. 
She began to tutor him, and by the end of the year, he had caught up with most of his classmates and even surpassed some. Several years later, Jean received a letter, Dear Miss Thompson, I'm graduating from high school. Wanted you to be the first to know. Love, Teddy. Four years later, another letter, Dear Miss Thompson, wanted you to be the first to know that university hasn't been easy, but I liked it. Love, Teddy Stoller. And four years after that, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore J. Stoller, MD. How about that? Wanted you to be the first to know. Also, I am getting married in July, and I hope you will come and sit where my mother would have sat, because you're the only family I have. Dad died last year. And Jean Thompson did go, and sat where his mother would have sat, and wept just as his mother would have wept. And then some. Reverend Frederick Buechner defines vocation or calling as the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. We are, each of us, called to that intersection of gladness and need, called to usefulness. Beloved spiritual companions, grateful for the wherewithal and the resources, may we seek and find, bless and be blessed by making ourselves useful. May our tears be tears of joy, joy and thanksgiving. May our deep gladness meet the world's deep need. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website ASCBoston.org.